Hey, everybody, this is Marcia Reiner. Have you, um, as a business owner, ever thought of having to pay sales tax, right? Hint, hint. Everybody has to pay sales tax if you're selling a product. So I have a treat for you today. I have my guest, Dina Oberst, on with us on Profit with a Plan podcast. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? If you're like most of us business owners, increasing your profitability is always on your mind. And you're probably looking for ways to grow your revenue while growing your company. Well, we you found a podcast that shares ideas to help you do just that. I'm Marcia Reiner, known as the Profit Booster and as a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability, guides your growth, and plans for a future exit. Because building a highly profitable and sale-ready business creates a win-win scenario. That's more money now and a windfall when it's time to let go. And I want to share strategies that I've learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have something very special to share with you, my podcast audience. Do you want to supercharge your business, avoid profit plateaus, operational headaches, or growth roadblocks? Well, I've created a brand new Profit Booster Playbook just for you. You'll uncover three essential strategies and the quick way to take action on them. This is not just a single page report. It's filled with impactful strategies, actionable steps, and expert guidance to help you elevate your profits. Let's make 2024 your best year ever. Go download this free playbook at boostingprofit.com. All right, I'm excited to have my guest, fellow provisor on here with me, Dina Oberst. Dina serves as the founder and CEO of Gable Tax Group, a specialized firm focusing on multi-state sales tax matters. With, a, with her wealth of experience exceeding 30 years, Dina is an ex, a seasoned sales tax expert dedicated to assisting businesses and boosting profit through meticulous adherence to sales tax regulations. She concentrates on guiding e-commerce enterprises through the intricate landscape of sales tax collection and remittance processes. All right, sales tax scares the heck out of everybody, Dina. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So question for you, as we, uh, I like to get to know um, a little bit more about my guests before we get going into their topic, but what, what caused you to get into sales tax of all things and have it be so specialized? What's your journey? Well, you know, I think it's, it's, it's by accident. I think most people always say that, right? You, you choose a career, but then the career chooses you at some point. So I mean, I definitely went to college thinking I was going to be a CPA and doing income tax and all the traditional things that um, CPAs do. But I had an opportunity to work at a company here, a global company in the LA area doing sales tax. I knew nothing about it, but I did sales tax, payroll tax, property tax, always hoping that someday I'd make it into the finance group to actually get my CPA. But you know how this works. A recruiter calls you and says, hey, <laughs> you have some sales tax experience. Well, the big four accounting firms back in those days, a long time ago, right, 30 years ago, were really looking for someone that had some sales tax experience. 
That's what they call the state and local tax, right? So I was recruited by Arthur Anderson. Not sure I can say that company at this point, but great company, no longer around, but great company. Was and, a great company. <laughs> and did sales tax for them. And they really did not want me to do anything other than sales tax because that's where the skill set was that was much needed by the businesses. So purely by accident, and somehow I've made a 30-year career out of it, and I absolutely love it. So it was definitely a love for sure. I mean, I, I just, I feel like I can help a lot more companies by doing something that's so specialized that I have such a deep knowledge in for so many years. Well, that's great. And I love the story. And it's so funny things. I love the way you bring out the fact that, you know, careers choose us, right? We go in a direction and something pulls us in another direction or roots us deeper into the direction we're currently in. But I think, you know, what's um, what really has intrigued me since we're both in a professional organization together, and um, it's always surprised me that nobody talks about state and local taxes. They talk about the big stuff, the IRS and the problems and, you know, oh, if you're in default or, oh, we're going to battle this or here's the new regulations you've got to worry about, but nobody else talks about the smaller tax that is really very important that gets overlooked so many times. So I'm so glad to have you on today and talking about this. So let's get into some foundational stuff while we're here. Describe to me what you mean by state and local taxes. Sure. So specifically what we focus on for us here at Gable Tax Group is transaction tax or what most people know of as sales tax but it is administered by the state and local jurisdictions. So if you are, let's say in the state of California, it is state administered. So you're like, well, it's just a state tax return. However, there are city taxes and district taxes and county taxes. But if you're in another state like Colorado, you actually have a separate tax return for each county and city within that state. So as a business owner, State and local taxes can be very complicated if you're doing business outside of your home state. Um, and those are just two examples, but there are many other states that um, have local tax returns, like Louisiana has parish tax returns, um, Alabama. So there are um, some complexities when it talks about state and local tax. So the reason why it's complicated is because there's about 87,000 sales tax rates across the U.S., Oh my right? gosh. It's not just a state tax rate. It's a state, a county, a city, a district. If someone's doing a stadium, sometimes there's a stadium tax to raise money to build a stadium in a certain jurisdiction. Wow. So state and local tax can be very complicated. And additional, additionally, um, as I mentioned, Colorado, the state may exempt something, but then the city doesn't. So mm. now you get really into the state and local tax um, nuances and why it's so difficult for businesses to comply um, when they just don't have the knowledge. Hence goes back to why CPAs and other accountants don't want to get involved in it. It's just too complicated at too many different taxing authority levels. Wow. Okay. I'm scared. <laughs> so, you know, having that many variances to go on, you really truly need the expert. And, and to your point, that's why CPAs don't want to do it. Um, but I have a question for you. Let's let's take even a step back further. Sales tax, which is what we're primarily talking about, is on this taxing of goods. But is it also taxing of services that occur? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So generally speaking, right, because we're going to have to talk about general uh, terms because it does vary by state. But generally, tangible personal property or goods are subject to sales tax unless the state specifically exempts it. So it's a it's an easy way to kind of, if you're not a sales tax aficionado, to kind of say, okay, if it's something tangible, it's probably taxable. Um, and the state can make rules, right? There are things across the U.S. where states will make certain exemptions to draw certain industries in, mm. right? There'll be credits like R&D credits to bring back the R&D efforts to states. Um, so states will manage their own taxability, I'm sure for their own reasons on how to draw businesses there. Um, on the flip side, services are generally not taxable mm. unless the state specifically taxes it. So a lot of times, especially depending on where you come from in the country, um, again, we're we're headquartered here in California, but we're not, we're a nationwide company, but we're headquartered in California. So a lot of California businesses will say, well, Dina, I provide the service. It's not subject to tax. And I said, okay, but in where California. else? In California. But in New Mexico, it is. In Hawaii, it is. In Connecticut, it is. In West Virginia. So there are certain states that tax certain services. So mm. I think if you're just looking for like a basic 101, tangible personal property, generally subject to tax. Services, generally not taxable. But there are variances. To both generally. <laughs> generally, generally, the best thing to do is think about where your customer is, right? Because it's not where you're domiciled or is it? Well, so that's also a good question. So on the tangible goods side, it always gets taxed based on where the goods are shipped or delivered or where it's transfer of ownership. And the reason why I say it transfer ownership is because there are some cases where someone um, may sell a good. Um, let's say in Los Angeles, and then the customer makes their own uh, arrangements to have it delivered to like New York. So that would be a nuance. But generally speaking, if you are a company, let's use the e-commerce business, you're selling goods to someone and you're shipping it from California to Nevada, you're supposed to collect the customer's Nevada tax rate based on the city of where they're located. So again, it'd be like Nevada, Clark County, you know, Las Vegas, whatever, like you'd have to get the state, the city and the county um, tax on that invoice. Okay. There's Which is why people are so confused <laughs> about this topic is because they're not thinking, they're just thinking, oh, I'm based in California. So I file a California state tax return. All done. Walk away thinking you're good. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there could be a lot of problems. Right. And so Back to your example, um, not to get too crazy here, but does that mean if I sell, if if I'm based in California and I sell to Nevada, then I have to file a Nevada state state tax return? Because yeah, we have, have not state taxes. You have the best questions that every business owner wants to know. So good for you, <laughs> because you're not going to like this, but it depends. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with how, well, what was that number you said? 87,000 nuances that you have to know? I mean, yeah. holy moly. No wonder you're, no wonder they want an expert like you. Yeah. And the reason why I say it depends is because, you know, traditionally, a traditional business before the e-commerce kind of took off, um, a lot of companies, they only collected sales tax where they were physically located. And that was general. I mean, you probably remember being able to buy online 
even from like Amazon and some of these others, I'm not paying sales tax. Or it was so long ago, you don't remember. But literally, you you could buy goods outside the state, computer equipment, if you're a company, you could buy it from Florida and have it shipped to California and not pay sales tax to the vendor. So that that whole scenario of having physical presence um, was the traditional method of doing business. But when once they went e-commerce, you didn't have sales reps traveling around in their vehicles with product in the trunk of the car, some of the old traditional business models. You're now basically located, probably hardly any staff, one office. Maybe you have a third-party logistics warehouse somewhere. Maybe it's outside the country in China and being drop shipped to the customer. So a lot of these businesses will say, well, I don't have physical presence, Dina, so I shouldn't have to pay or collect the Nevada tax. And I said, yes, I understand. However, this is where I'm going to get a little geeky, a little sales tax geeky. But um, in 2018, there was a big case between South Dakota and Wayfair, which is a retailer. And they sued over the fact that they said they had significant presence in South Dakota. I always kind of chuckle because it's like South Dakota, it seems like a very insignificant state in the scheme of things. It's not a top state. It's not the biggest state, but they just happened to have been one that pushed it with these online retailers. And of course, Wayfair says, I don't have to collect tax. I'm going to the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, unprotected under this Quill decision. And so they took it to the Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court overturned this Quill decision, which protected out-of-state businesses from being subject to tax. So overturning this decision that protected a business now opened up all of the states to pass legislation to collect tax. And that's what we call economic nexus. A lot of people call it the Wayfair internet tax, but it's really not only for e-commerce businesses. The economic nexus is based off of two things, revenue and number of transactions. So if you have no physical presence, but you have 200 transactions in a state or $100,000 of revenue in a state in a year, then the state holds you legally, financially responsible for collecting and remitting tax. Holy cow. So knowing how much commerce occurs across borders, I'd have to have really good records to remember how many transactions occurred in each state and what my total revenue was in each state to be able to go, "Uh oh, I need to pull this lever and start collecting taxes. Does it look backwards or does like, is it only taxes after that hundred thousand or is it taxes once you hit a hundred thousand, you got to go back from zero and go because I might not have been collecting it without, you know, without paying it forward. Right. Um, it's funny. <laughs> I'm gonna hate my answer. I know I'm stirring up a hornet's nest here. I know. Depends. So, okay, I'll tell you generally the states, um, most of the states on the economic nexus have what I would consider an unreasonable expectation. <laughs> they will say, once you've reached 100,000 in revenue, or 200 transactions within a 12-month period, you're supposed to collect tax on the very next transaction. Got it. Okay. Who has the ability to do that? No one. 
Yeah. No. Whoop, ding, ding, ding. I just hit, a, I just hit 200. So 201, you're going to start collecting taxes, right? Exactly. So technically, legally speaking, yes, you are a person running a company are supposed to track it every month or every day. There are some states that will say 30 days after, you know, a quarter, 90 days after, or January 1st following the year. So you can see how it's just so complicated because all the states have their own measurement. And even the 200 transaction that I mentioned, not all the states have that. And some are 500,000, some are 250. It, it, it varies by state. So I'm really kind of, oh my gosh. you know, your listeners like the lowest level, the 200 transaction and a hundred thousand. So it's not that easy to track on a daily basis, which is why I think it's just so important for businesses to reach out Talk to someone like Gable Tax Group that can help you put in some tools to track it and monitor it, maybe on a quarterly basis, maybe semi-annual, depends on your revenue. Um, and then we can make decisions at that point on what to do. Because a lot of times the other problem is they don't have the systems in place. I was place just going to say. Even calculate the tax. And so that's where we would make you know recommendations depending on what they're using. I mean, most e-commerce um Companies right now are using a platform called Shopify. Shopify has um, an app inside of it that can calculate tax. And each of these e-commerce tools are building uh, mechanisms to track that transaction count. So it's getting better and better, right? I mean, 2018 seems like a long time ago now at this point. So a lot of the companies are ramping up their tools to help business owners comply. Nice. I was just going to ask, you know, when we start getting into tools and, and regulations. So I have a client that was creating a product and shipping it out and so on. And and they use Shopify, which thank goodness for at least helping that kind of thing. But that's like a that's like a preliminary tool that you use. That's not, you know, financial advice that you want to rely on. And and making sure that you're in compliance with every single state you're you're shipping to, right? I mean that could be that could be scary, especially, you know, most e-commerce these days. You know, unless you're an Etsy, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, oh, I make I make little 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 things with my hands and I sell them online. You know, if you're if you're producing any kind of products with any kind of significance, oh my gosh, you need to have clear understanding of where your product's being delivered, all those numbers coming out so that you can collect it. And then let me do the flip side. So if you're a little overprotective and you decide that, oh, if I if I sell one item, I'm going to collect sales tax locally. Um, and I mean, once you collect it, you have to pay it, right? You can't yeah. just pocket it and put it, you know, not unless you want to commit fraud, but no, I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> Not unless yeah. you want to make enemies. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because a lot of times what happens is I will get co companies that'll say, well, I collect tax everywhere because I got a system and it just collected tax. And so they'll have a dollar 16 in a state, 26 cents in the state, $10 in a state all over the place. And I'm like, Okay, first of all, we have to do a nexus study to determine if you have the legal financial responsibility, because it's going to be a lot for you to undertake. And they're like, okay. I said, so once we deem you don't have to, you need to stop collecting it, return the money to the customer so you don't commit fraud, right? How do you do that when you're an e-commerce business? 
Right. How do you know which person had 38 cents in tax collected? <laughs> right. I mean, you're probably buying off of, you know, your credit card. And I mean, it's just very difficult. Now they know where it's shipped, but it's very, very difficult for very small dollars. You know, and, and back prior to 2018, well, I don't know how far back, but you used to be able to just write a letter to the state and say, oopsies, I collected sales tax. I don't have nexus. Here's your dollar 16. Now, because of that case and because it's economic nexus, the state will no longer accept a payment. They automatically register you. And now you have a monthly tax return uh, requirement. Oh, my gosh. Talk so about a nightmare headache. Super dangerous. So, so you have like, you know, the flip side. Yes, it's great that the software notifies you, but you have too many um Companies that will say, oh, I'm supposed to collect tax, turn on, turn on, turn on, not realizing that they don't have the full understanding of it and the cost to comply. Because unlike income tax, which is annual, maybe you have quarterly payments, sales tax, generally speaking, and probably 95% of the states is a monthly tax return. Oh, my gosh. Talk well, about expense on your accounting team, right, to, to file it and then to... Uh... Yeah, and if you're an e-commerce business, you already know they probably don't have an accounting team. It's probably outsourced, right? I mean, when you're an e-commerce business, a lot of times you are, you know, have an outsourced CFO, an outsourced uh, bookkeeper, you know, like a third party. I mean, you know. Um, well, and and which is which is terrific, but do are they experts in that piece? Right. Yeah. And that's what scares the heck out of me with sales tax that, that nobody talks about is the state, the city, the 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 county you're in, all the little buttons that you have to press to make sure. And then if you're collecting it thinking you're doing your due diligence and you don't submit it and you don't I mean, it just seems like it's this the this this muddy, ugly snowball that's coming down the hill to take you for for a very uncomfortable ride. If you don't understand what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, that's why I was, I, that's why I was so interested to have you on so that people went, oh, well, you can't hide behind the, well, I didn't know. <laughs> or, or the worst thing is that, hey, I'm relying on these people. I thought they'd know. Right. But they don't. They don't. And it gets really complicated, I think, for business owners, because again, this tax law changed it really dramatically. Um, change for them has been since 2018. So I think enough people know about it. But the thing is, it's misunderstanding. So mm -hmm. I'm, you mentioned Etsy earlier. So Etsy is what they consider a marketplace facilitator, like Amazon. Mm -hmm. So Amazon, Etsy, eBay. Now the states have also changed the laws for that. So they now require them to collect and remit sales tax. So if you have a business that sells on Etsy, eBay, or Amazon, then they always say, well, Dina, they collect the tax and report it for me. I have to do nothing. I'm like, okay, great. That's great. But do you only sell on those platforms? Because I think when I Googled you, I think I can see you have your own website with your own shopping cart. They were like, well, yeah. I'm like, that revenue that you generate on Amazon, Etsy, and eBay can count towards your 100,000 or 200 transaction threshold, even if your website is like minuscule in terms of revenue. So mm. they don't understand. They're like, but I'm not at 100,000. I'm like, well, not on your website. 
not in this one. It's 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 a it's a combination of everything that you're selling in every state and in every county, you know. I mean, wow. And then gosh, I can't imagine going international shipments, right? Well, international is a whole other thing too. But you know, <laughs> just to stay on the whole um Etsy, eBay, Amazon deal is that that revenue that's generated through those platforms can either count or not count towards that economic nexus threshold. It also could determine whether or not um, from a a warehousing perspective. So if you're on Amazon and you do fulfillment by Amazon and you have inventory all over, you don't control as a business because you don't, right? You're like selling on Amazon, you send them crates of, of product. And because we all want stuff two hours later, Amazon takes that inventory and spreads it all over the U.S. So really what happens is that business, great, marketplace facilitator, yeah. You have physical presence now as a business in every state that Amazon holds your goods. So we always ask a client if they're selling on Amazon FBA to run the warehouse report so we can see where they have physical presence in all of these states so that we can help advise them like, look, you may not have $100,000 of revenue, but you have inventory. Mm. That's physical presence. That's no different than having an office or a sales rep soliciting sales or a repairman in the state because you actually have goods. It's like having your own warehouse, even though it's not. So it makes it really, really complicated now in determining when they have a sales tax nexus or collection responsibility. And again, what's that exposure when you're talking about looking backwards? Remember, you were asking me, well, once I trigger it, yeah, but that's only if you don't have physical presence. Oh, my gosh. People sell on Amazon, and that's kind of the problem. So the states are trying to figure it out. There are some states that will say, we don't care that you have inventory with third party. So at least some states are starting to get on it. But generally speaking, no. And if you're talking about the states where most businesses do commerce, I call them the big five, California, the Texas, the Florida, New York, and Illinois, they don't have these special rules. They they don't, you know, they're you're, you're probably going to have a sales tax responsibility in those states, um, even if you're not physically located there. And Illinois is really aggressive right now. They are auditing everybody that registers in the state because what they're doing is they're saying, Okay, you reached 100,000 and you're now registering. But when did you get 201 transactions? Yikes. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's been enough years that the states are starting to audit and we can actually really give good feedback to businesses as to how the states are treating this activity historically so that they know if they have a problem. Because one of the other things is that a lot of times a business doesn't collect tax and thinks, well, I don't need to because I don't sell to, you know, I sell resale or I sell to wholesale. I said, okay, that's great. Do you have the documentation to prove it? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, no, it's a nonprofit. I go, do you have the documentation? Because that's the only thing that proves that that you're not responsible for collecting the tax. Three, four, five years from now, if you're audited, you're not going to be able to go back and ask. You need the documentation. And so it's really about advising, like, who are they selling to? Where are they shipping to? Is the product taxable? Is the buyer exempt? You know, so there's a lot of decisions that as a business owner that you have to do in all 47 taxing states. 
Yikes. Okay. This is, this has got, if, if audience listeners, if you haven't asked a question in your own mind, oh my gosh, am I in trouble or not? Then, you know, you're probably not listening well enough because this is, this is really an intense topic that, you know, should be addressed. And you should, you know, even as a growing company, you should have these conversations with experts to make sure that you're in compliance or, you know, what the next step is and how to how to CYA, how to, how to cover and protect yourself so that these problems won't occur or you don't get in any trouble. Because think about it, you know, I mean, states are struggling, right? They want to repair their roads. They want to, you know, put infrastructure in place. Well, where do they go and get that money? tax, right? And each city is pulling to get their own money. So they're going to want that tax money. And I don't think that they're just going to go, oh, oh, well, you know, you made a mistake. No, they want their money. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, you'll probably be uh, tapped on the shoulder one time or another if you're selling anything. So let me ask one more kind of odd thing. Um, so in the services world, or specifically in the coaching and consulting world, a lot of people will mail out a package, a box of goodies, right? Um, they'll say, just pay shipping, you know, and handling charges. They're not selling the item, but they're delivering the item. Is that part of commerce? If you're paying for, you know, shipping is normally, you know, let's just say it's $3.50 and you charge a flat $7.50 to get the shipping box out because someone has to package it. Is that taxable? So when generally speaking in most states, when you combine shipping and a handling fee, right, you're not passing through the postage and shipping costs. You're you're marking it up. Um, so there's the markup and then what we'll call the bundling. So you'll see shipping and handling, S and H. Once you commingle those two items, it becomes subject to tax. So it's a taxable transaction. <laughs> wow. So a lot of times what happens is when I start talking to businesses, when they're maybe like putting in their ERP and they're looking at how do we tax our invoices and at the bottom will say shipping and handling. It's kind of like instead of saying tissue, you say Kleenex. But it's like, well, is it really handling or is it freight? Like, is it, are you really including handling fees? They're like, well, no. And I'm like, well, then don't mingle, commingle them together or bundle them because shipping is exempt in a lot of states, but handling is not. And when mm -hmm. you take a taxable and a non-taxable item and put them together, it makes the whole thing subject to tax. The other side of that is coaching world, I'll tell you, because if you are Putting boxes together, the materials that you buy to put in that box, you should be collecting tax or charging or yeah, paying tax on it from your vendor because you're giving it away from free for free. So make sure that you're not using like your resale certificate to buy goods from a vendor to put in your box. Like make sure you're paying tax on the items that you're giving away for free because if you didn't pay tax on it when you bought it, and you give it away for free, you have to pay use tax on it to the state. This is just like restaurants that give away meals to staff. There's a tax on that. So wow. when they say, oh yeah, our employees get free lunch here, they actually have to book an entry on the accounting side to accrue for the tax that they need to pay to the state directly because they did not charge for the meal. They gave it away. So I, it's called, you know, giveaways. So there is sales tax. Remember, 
So transaction tax from the vendor to you, from you to the customer. I mean, it can be taxed multiple times along that um, that time. So people say, well, it sounds like it's double tax. It's a transaction tax. Each transaction gets taxed. So that's what makes it a little more difficult. And this is where, like, you know, your infinite profit. This is why sales tax could be a profit killer, because when you are in e-commerce or any other business, your margins are what they are. Even if you're using Amazon, it's even smaller. Do you really want 8.8? I'm going to say 8% on average of that gone in mm. a tax that you didn't collect from the customer, because that's right. exactly what happens. If you as a seller are responsible for collecting it, please make sure your customer is responsible for paying it and not you. Here, not here, you. right? Because that's a huge percentage off your bottom line if you're not collecting it and you should be collecting it or even worse, now you, now you realize you've made a mistake and you have to pay it out. And then you've got penalties and everything on top of it. I mean, we're we're talking serious hit to your to your profitability by having an error like this. So I would encourage everybody to just ask, <laughs> hey, so here's what I'm doing, you know, full disclosure. Here's what I'm doing when you're talking to your partners, like your 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 accounting and your tax folks. Full disclosure, I'm doing this. Am I responsible for taxes on this? You know, and I think now that we've had this conversation, Dina, it's really opened the eyes for myself and and hopefully the listeners to go, oh, you know, I, I didn't realize, uh oh, I better have this conversation. And I think that's what we use our, our professionals for. Uh, is to make sure that we are, you know, covering our behind and and paying the appropriate uh, taxes, so that you know we know that what we're doing is is in compliance. Right, and this is why at Gable Tax Group we always say this. You know, this is really kind of our whole reason, our whole purpose for being is we're helping businesses increase profit through proper sales tax compliance. Proper meaning it's not going to be a hundred percent if you don't want it to be. We're going to give you the advice you need to be able to make the decisions for your company based on the level of risk you're willing to take. But mm. I'm going to educate you so that hopefully it doesn't hit your bottom line and your profit. It's a pass-through tax. Let's keep it that way. The customer is always supposed to pay for it. So let's find a way that it's not costing you a loss in profit or maybe you're doing too much. You know, like I told you, some people collect tax everywhere and they're like, well, we're just going to collect it. I'm like, but if you're not legally responsible for it, why would you take on that administrative risk? Exactly. Like exactly. And if you're shipping and you're not charging for shipping, that's a whole nother can of worms that you can, you know, open up as if you're not charging for the shipping and free shipping, right? Well, there's still, there's still, you know, problems that could occur with that that hit your bottom line along with the sales tax. So just please, 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 listeners, reach out to a company like Gable Tax and have a candid conversation. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my new greatest, latest idea that I want to bring bring to the market for my company. Am I doing it right? You know, I mean, that's probably your first thing you want to do. So, so Dina, this has been incredibly valuable. Where can listeners find out more about you and um and this, you know, crazy nightmare of yeah. state and local taxes? 
Well, obviously you can find us on um, the internet at gabletaxgroup.com. There's actually a link there that you can ask a question. It goes directly to me, um, or you can send it to info at gable.tax. That's the website um, in the email. Um, and ask your questions. I will schedule a Zoom call with you. Um, I will even send you a free nexus analysis so that we can get the ball going on giving you a, a you know a, a snapshot of where you are today in your sales tax. I call it like a sales tax checkup. Let's give yourself a sales tax health checkup and see where you are. It won't cost you a dime. You will be able to sleep better. I will give you practical advice and then you'll have a game plan at the end of it to know what you want to do. So don't just say, well, I don't think I have an exposure. Why not? You know, we do it complimentary. Why do we do it complimentary? Because we can, because it's all about helping businesses increase profit through proper compliance. My colleagues all charge thousands of dollars for them. I'm just going to be honest, but I don't have to because this is, you know, after 30 something years of doing this, this is our way of giving back to the business community. Sales tax has gotten really complicated and I'd rather give the advice to the business owner now instead of hearing from them when they've got a great offer from a buyer and they have this exit strategy, yay, and then they're getting ready and the buyer says, oh, you have a $10 million sales tax exposure. And then, then they're calling me. Let's not do that. Well said, well said, and and incredibly valuable. Um, you know, what you don't know will kill you, will hurt you. <laughs> so better to know and then make that decision based on uh, correct guidance and understanding your risks. So I love the way you laid it out and what a huge problem later on could occur if you don't, right? So well said, Dina. All right. Well, just um, so you know, sales tax follows the owners of the company and not the company. So it's another level of legal issues to make sure you're very much aware of. There's no pleading ignorance um, when it comes to sales tax, unfortunately. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to close the company and file bankruptcy and I have no sales tax. That's not really how sales tax works. So just be a, you know, be a prudent business owner. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with someone like us, do your health checkup, you'll sleep better, you'll have a plan, let's go into 2024 um, with a really healthy uh, way to run your business. Love it. Tina, thank you. All right, listeners, I hope you found a couple ideas to put into your business that'll make you more profitable. And oh my goodness, if you have, have you, if you have never spoken to a tax professional about your sales tax exposure, please, reach out to Dina, take advantage of it. Um, I I can't recommend it enough. The last thing you want to do is make enemies with your state, city, county, uh, and those around you, you know, where you could uh, have exposure to taxes because they don't care and they will come get you. And then, and then the last big, you know, drop bomb she dropped at the end that sales tax follows the owner, not the corporation. Ooh, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's just, it, it can be. And and not to scare the, you know, pants off you right now, but, you know, I scared the pants off of you. So go talk to somebody. 
All right. So as I mentioned before, do you want to supercharge your business? Go download my Profit Booster Playbook packed with three profit strategies and the actionable steps that you can use to make 2024 your most profitable year ever. Uh, I might have to add that sales tax you know, question onto it and make sure that uh, people are aware of it. So go grab it for free at boostingprofit.com. And Dina and I are here. We're going to listen. We're going to look at your comments. Make it, tell us in the chat what's going on. Ask your question here. If you don't feel like you want to go directly to Dina, give us your comments. Talk to us about your sales tax and we will respond. So uh, just put it in the chat here as well. While you're at it, please subscribe. And you don't want to miss next week's show. So you can always catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. And we're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thank you so very much, Tina. This was really insightful. Thank you, Marcy.